0: Today's the day that we are wrapping up and putting a bow on this series that we've been in for the last few weeks, just grace, grace, period. Now, if you've been here, you, you know kind of where we've been, but let me just kind of bring you up to speed a little bit as we wrap up this series. I'll be honest with you. I told Julie this morning, I Julie's my wife that, that I live with, but I told Julie, I said, I, I'm actually a little bit Sad to see this series come to a close. I have so loved studying and reading and preparing and just kind of rolling around in the amazing grace of God for the last few weeks and and even beyond that in preparation for this series has been incredible. And and if you've been here, you know that grace is incredibly simple. It, It is incredibly simple and powerfully, powerfully profound. The the definition of grace that we've been working off of is just that grace is the unmerited, unearnable favor of God. The unmerited, unearnable favor of God. If you want to expand on that a little bit, we said that you could say that grace is the unmerited favor of a holy, morally perfect, flawless God poured out extravagantly on decidedly unholy, morally flawed people like me and like you. And we've seen over the last few weeks some things about grace that are really, really important to to keep kind of front of mind, front of heart as we move beyond this series, but to make it a part of our spiritual being, a a part of the fiber of who we are. We we said at the very beginning that grace changes everything. Grace changes everything everything. Romans chapter 6 says that, that grace is a gift from God. The, the wages of sin is death. The compensation for sin is always death and separation from God, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And that word gift is the Greek word charis. Charis or charis, and it, it means a gift or grace. It's where we get the word charisma, charismatic He's a, she's a charismatic personality or charity comes from the same word that we get the word grace we saw number 2 that grace as awesome as it is and as much as it changes everything grace also tells the truth grace tells the truth about our condition Romans 3:23 all have sinned you've sinned i've sinned all god's children have sinned and we fall short we miss god's standard of moral excellence. Number three, we saw that grace sets us free. That grace is the great emancipator. Grace sets us free from sin, sets us free from shame, sets us free from from legalism and perfectionism. We saw also that grace is that thing that feeds the fire of our faithfulness. It is both the premise and the promise of our faithfulness and the promise of God that his grace will always, say always. Always be sufficient. You you will never be tempted. You'll never encounter a situation in your life. I won't face one in my life where the grace of God is not enough, where it's it's insufficient. It is always there for the taking, and his grace is always sufficient. But today, as we wrap up this series, there's one more thing that kind of is the the thumb, if you will, of this series. It's kind of one for the thumb, if you will. And The fact is that grace, for all of these other things that we've looked at, we've talked about how grace affects us personally and spiritually. And to be sure, grace is always personal. It's always particular. It's always precise. And at the same time, grace never flourishes in a vacuum. Grace, amongst all of the things in this world that God has given to us, It is grace that connects disparate, diverse people. It is grace that binds us together. Grace is that thing that binds us together and brings together the family of faith in a way that nothing else in the world can even touch. In a world that is literally hell-bent on divisiveness, on identity politics, and polarization, Along comes grace. Grace comes along to, to beautifully and powerfully unite incredibly disparate and diverse people. It's an amazing thing to behold when you see grace actually working. Now, there are some things in this world that can kind of create a connection that work for a little while. I mean, you, you may be, or maybe you've been a part of a team that had a common goal of winning in a particular season, or maybe you're part of a team that's committed to growing a business. And those things are fine as far as they go. I remember one team that I was on way, 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 way back in the dark age. I was on a football team when I was a kid. And this particular football team went completely undefeated. I don't know if you've ever been on an undefeated team before. It's kind of like, I wasn't even very good. I didn't play a whole lot. I was second team offensive line. And... And, but we were undefeated. I I mean, I was still there. You know what I'm saying? I remember one night in particular, we had a coach who was really, really passionate about football. And he was trying to get the team hyped up and psyched up to to take on the opponent we were about to go out and do battle with. And and he stood up in front of our team. I'm not making this up. And he said, I want you to go out there tonight. I want you to play tonight. Like that team killed your mother, (laughs) killed your father. And your brothers and sisters, are you with me? And I remember thinking at the time, this is a true story. I remember thinking to myself, coach, we're in sixth grade. That may be a little much. I just I mean just saying. But we won. We did win. I remember 9-11. Remember 9-11? Man, we, we came together as a country. It, it didn't matter. We weren't Republicans or Democrats or Independents or Green or any of that other. We we were just Americans. We we were bound together because we'd been savagely and viciously attacked by evil. Neighbor to neighbor. People in Austin stood in line to give blood for people in New York City. That's never happened before. Washington, D.C., people that we would never meet, man, we were there for each other. And it was powerful. But even that faded, didn't it? it's, it's against the backdrop of all these human, all of these earthly connections that, that are just kind of a whisper, just an echo of what grace can do as it, as it draws people together, as it unites people across party lines, across racial lines, across backgrounds, across the world. It is the grace of God that binds us together. And, and grace does this in some powerful and beautiful Beautiful ways. If you have your Bible, I want you to look in Ephesians chapter number 2. The Bible talks about this connective tissue of grace throughout the pages of Scripture. But in Ephesians chapter 2, it actually shows us how grace does this. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 6, and then I'm going to skip down a little bit. Verses 4 through 6 kind of set the stage. It says, but God. I, I love it when the Bible says, but God. But God, there's the world over here, but God, the world is, is into identity politics and polarization and, and divisiveness and getting you fired up and stirred up and hot and bothered, but God, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life. When he raised Christ from the dead, it is only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So this is the platform that this unity thing happens on. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the initiative of God himself. It, it is by grace that you have been saved. Remember, you can't earn grace. T- tell your neighbor right now, chill. Some of you enjoyed that too much. Say, I want you to think about this for a second. The fact that you cannot earn grace means that you can just kind of just, just relax. Now, it doesn't mean, as we've seen over the last few weeks, that you get a license to do whatever you feel like doing. That's not grace. But grace allows us to relax. Grace allows us to to take a deep breath and... it's oh, grace has set me free from my sin. Grace has set me free from shame. I, I wonder this morning, is there anything in your life that that you just kinda, when I say the word shame, that's where your mind goes. That's where your brain goes. Like you, you can go straight to that file, you know? You don't have to search for it. You know where that is in the card catalog of your mind. Card catalog, for those of you who are under the age of 50, (laughs) is something that they used to use in libraries. Libraries were where people used to go to read books. (laughs) And they had the books listed in a card catalog. But, But, Grace, grace sets us free from shame. And we we can go because of Christ, because of what he did, his grace initiative. I'm set free from that. And, And and I'm not alone. Skip down to verses 14 through 16. Verses 14 through 16, man. I want as we read this, I want you to think about 2020. The United States of America, where we live. Check this out. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when, in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this. By ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death. Amen. On the cross... And our hostility toward each other was put to death. Does that sound like something that our world could use just a little bit more of? Just a little more grace in bringing us together instead of dividing us and drawing us apart? The hostility between people was put to death in Christ's On the cross. And what rose with him from the dead was unity. What was brother and sister across any line. Now, Paul is writing here in the New Testament describing Jews and Gentiles. Gentiles, of course, are just people who are not Jews. So that's kind of the whole world. (laughs) You're either Jewish or you're Gentile. Jew or not. And, and, And listen, racial tension (laughs) The the first century citizenry would have laughed at the word tension. They they didn't have tension. They had hatred. Like, they hated each other. In John chapter 4, when Jesus takes water from the well with a Samaritan woman there, that was such a radical redefining of race relations in the first century. As a matter of fact, Jesus, as as a Jew should never have been in that town. Jews used to travel around Samaria, so they didn't even have to see Samaritans. So I love it when people say, I just want to be part of a New Testament church. Be careful. Because the New Testament church had its own bag of issues, baby. But Jesus brings unity. And if you stop and just read this passage of Scripture, you see and notice how grace unifies, what it is that grace does. What did that verse say? It said, even though we were raised from the dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. This is what's so important. You see, grace is not just some type of self-help. Grace is not, you be the best you you can be. That's not grace. Grace brings dead people to life. We we are dead in our sin apart from Christ. So, what grace tells us there is that we need grace. And it's because of our need for grace that we are united in our need. You see, grace fuels humility. If you understand grace, there's no place for cockiness, there's no place for arrogance, there's no place for looking down on someone else. Grace fuels humility. And humility is, is a touchy thing because a lot of times people, have you, ever, have you ever been around somebody who's falsely humble? Have you ever tried to like give a compliment to somebody? Like, hey, that meal was unbelievable. And like, oh, I, that, no, you've had better. That, I, no, no. What they're saying usually is, no, please, give me some more. Grace fuels true Humility. C.S. Lewis, one of the greatest minds to ever walk the earth. One of the great 20th century scholars and and apologists for the Christian faith. Apologetics just means the giving of evidence and reason for our faith. C.S. Lewis said this about humility. He said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. It's not that you, oh, I'm no good. I'm terrible. No, 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 no. You're created in the image of a perfect holy God. You're created just a little lower than the angels. That's who you are. And you need grace. And I need grace. And grace fuels that humility. It fuels that humility. Also, it says said Christ reconciled both groups to God, Jews and Gentiles. Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. If Jesus Christ died for Jew and Gentile, black and white, American and Russian, Fox News and MSNBC, what that tells us is that grace levels the playing field. Grace levels the playing field. In God's economy, there are two types of people. Saved and not, it's not rich or poor, black or white, north or south, red or blue, American or Russian or or any of that other stuff. We look at people through the lens of grace and grace levels the playing field. Another way of saying that is that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Every single human being who walks the face of the earth, not named Jesus, needs grace. And so, yes, we're we're humbled by grace, but we're also made even. We're, We're made peers with everybody on the planet. Everybody. Grace levels the playing field. And I love this one and our hostility toward each other was put to death. Our hostility was put to death. So anything that devalues, anything that dehumanizes another person is sin. Anything. Grace, grace honors the individual, And the collective. Grace honors the individual and the collective. Remember we said at the very beginning, grace is always personal, but it never flourishes in a vacuum. It's always growing in community as a part of the family of faith. Grace. Grace treasures the individual. If you were the only person to walk the earth... Jesus died for you. He knows the number of hairs on your head, or as I like to say, the number of hairs I used to have. He he knows everything about you, and he still died for you. Please don't ever let that become commonplace. Please don't let grace be common. When you understand what Jesus has done for you, when you you understand the humility that grace carries, you you understand the value of the community that grace puts you in. The, The need that we have for each other. The need to be a part of the church. There's a song out on country radio right now. And the lyrics say something to this effect. I'd rather be on the lake fishing, thinking about God, than in church, thinking about fishing. Now listen, I get it. I love to fish. Fishing is a biblical sport. It is a great, great thing to do. That's a great country song that's bad theology. Now, should you be in church 52 Sundays a year? No, you shouldn't be, even online. But we need this community. There there is something in the water of faith that we need each other. We, We need to be around each other. We need to be reminded. What happens when we worship in the same room together, nothing else can touch it. Thank God we have online during this season for those who can't come to church, for those who are maybe immunocompromised. We praise God for the technology that allows this connection. This isn't about guilting people into church, but it is about reminding people that online is a great supplement, but it's never a substitute. It can be a great introduction, but don't ever let it be a substitution or allow you to keep at arm's length really connecting with the family of faith. We need this thing, and grace celebrates this individual thing as well as the collective thing. So if, if, you, if you think about all these ways that grace does this, I think it begs the question. I hope you're asking this question, so what? What, what do I do? It's, it, man, grace is amazing. I'm blown away. It's very simple. There's an app for that. App just means an application, right? to apply this knowledge, it's very simple. Give the grace you're given. Give the grace you've been given. That's it. It, it, What would it look like in your family? What what if our households, if everybody in the house decided to give the same grace that they've been given by God? how many of you know breakfast time would look a lot different? I, I think for, for a lot of families, man, I, I know this in our house. Dinner time was easy. Breakfast, boy that, that was am I right? That was where we needed some grace. What would it look like? In, what would it look like in your workplace? You, you don't have to make a bold pronouncement. Just, just live it. Just give the grace you've been given. Tell the truth. I'm not telling you to be a doormat. That's not grace. But if you lived by grace in the marketplace and just said, you know, we've talked about, let's let's just say, for example, you're having a conversation with someone who's not hitting the mark. To start the conversation with, hey, we've we've talked about some things that we were gonna aim for. These were what we were gonna go for. Maybe our goals or metrics. We, We didn't hit those. And I just wanna check. Are you okay? Tell tell me what's going on with you. You may have to pick somebody up off the floor. Give the grace that you're given. Philippians chapter 2 says this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Pretty simple. Just be like Jesus. (laughs) Okay, go. Take care. Have a good week. Just be like Christ. Now, fortunately, we have a record of Jesus' life Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We saw how he lived. But just in case you don't have those books of the Bible memorized, Philippians goes on. Same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature, God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Again, zero entitlement in the life of Jesus. No entitlement. He is God, but he didn't consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. When in doubt, be like Jesus. Just, just be like Jesus. Humble yourself. Serve the people closest to you. Give the grace you've been given. Now, here's the thing that, that I, I, we can't, Skate by. This grace is available, but you have to receive it. You, you have to personally respond to Jesus' grace initiative. Remember, it's not enough to just go, oh, there it is. Jesus' grace. Cool. Grace is amazing. No when someone offers you a gift this amazing this overwhelming you respond now some people respond by saying no there are people who reject the grace of god i just want to i just want to tell you in, in love don't be that guy don't don't be that girl. Accept it. Take it. It's a gift. I want to ask you to bow your heads for just a brief moment. In a, in a moment of prayer, maybe you're watching online, maybe you're here in the room, but if you've never chosen to respond to this grace initiative, this unmerited, unearnable, extravagant favor of God, Then we invite you to do that right now. To not let another second pass apart from the grace of God. Just pray right where you're sitting, just talking to God, say something like this silently. Just say, Jesus, I need your grace. For the forgiveness of my sin, I confess my sin. All of it, holding nothing back, and in this moment, I receive, I accept, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of your grace, and Jesus, in response, I will follow you. I will trust you more than I trust myself. I'm asking you to bring clarity to the chaos. And I will follow you from this moment forward. I pray this prayer in your name. If you would just remain with your heads bowed for another moment. Nobody moving or stirring, but just for a brief moment, if that was your prayer then we wanna make sure that you know this is the biggest moment of your life. And as a church, we wanna help with what's next, with where this moment leads. And the first thing that I would just ask you, if you would, as our heads are bowed for a moment, if you would just quietly raise your hand, if that was your prayer, would you just raise your hand and hold it up high over your head for a moment? If this is the first time that you have ever received that grace, then we celebrate that with you. And and we we wanna help with what's next, and we'll explain that in just a second, but right now, we've got a family tradition that now you're a part of. As you go ahead and put your hands down, we're gonna put our hands together and tell you, welcome home, welcome home.